0: So you want to be a psychotherapist. Being a therapist can be personally one of the most incredibly rewarding careers you can do. Several years ago I was approached by a therapist, a friend of mine, who said I have a client he needs you but he can't afford you. She was an EAP therapist so she had a limit of five or six sessions and she could see him but he was a Marine who'd recently come back from Iraq. He'd served two tours there and he had severe post-traumatic stress disorder. So he needed a long-term relationship with a therapist who could really work with the trauma. After talking to her a bit and I met him and I decided to work with him. I saw him for two years pro bono in my effort to support the troops coming back and we formed a really great working alliance and I was really quite fond of him. He had every major symptomology of post-traumatic stress. He had auditory hallucinations. He slept with a gun under his pillow. He was incredibly volatile. He was this big six foot two uh, muscular guy who looked like uh, an MMA fighter. He would go to the gym and destroy these punching bags. And he had a lot of anger. And he had so much going on inside of him that he needed to sort out. And he'd come back to a very difficult ending to his marriage and he still wanted to hold on to his son. And so we did a lot of work over that two years. At the end of the two years, when it was time for him to move on, I got a note from his mother, and this always makes me cry, but her note said, thank you for giving me my son back. Those are the moments that no amount of money can pay for. That is why I became a psychotherapist, was to help people get their lives back particularly after such horrible and awful trauma. That's the really good side. Now let's talk about the other side of being a psychotherapist. Foremost it's a business, just like any other business. So let's talk a little bit about the fantasy. You imagine going to grad school will be challenging but fun. You'll find other similar, like-minded peers. The teachers will all be self-realized and able to help you on your path to enlightenment so that you can help others. Licensure no big deal. You'll find a job, you'll support yourself so you can be on your own. So post-grad school and post-licensure, setting up a business is easy. Clients will magically show up at your door. You'll make plenty of money. Life will be easy with a rewarding, passionate career. So let's take a look at each of those without the dreamy soft focus. Grad school. I often say that grad school is like a marriage. You have no real idea what you want until you're in the middle of it. Buyer beware, it takes a lot of time and money. Each grad school as a rule is teaching from a particular theoretical orientation. That means that they look at clients in a particular way and how to approach healing and how to deal with clients from a very specific modality. Make sure that the school's orientation is what you're really looking for. Not all approaches are created equally, and while most say that they have the answer, some are much better than others. Teachers. Not all teachers are created equal. Some actually know how to teach, most do not. How enlightened they are has everything to do with how much work they've done on themselves. If they are teaching because they enjoy teaching, That is great. It is very rarely for the pay. More often, they are just trying to find new clients and make a few bucks to pay the bills. Licensure. Most states have some kind of licensure for master's level clinicians and certainly for PhDs. The state you get licensed in is where you will be. It is not easy for the most part to get licensed in another state. You have to start over with collecting hours, exams, etc., and your degree, your master's, Or doctorate may not be recognized in that other state. Be sure you where you want to be. In California, as a licensed marriage and family therapist, I can do anything a PhD can do except educational testing. My expenses, like malpractice insurance, is cheaper by about two-thirds the last time I looked. If you are borrowing to get through school, you will have about half the amount of student loans as a marriage and family therapist as opposed to a PhD. Is being called a doctor worth the extra time, money, and headache? You have to decide. The PhD is a research degree. The PsyD is a clinical degree. Know what you're going for. Once you're a post-grad school, you must collect 3,000 hours of experience with at least 500 of them with children and couples and families to sit for the licensure exams. There are at least two of them. More if you want to be both a licensed professional counselor and a marriage and family therapist. Some of those hours can be collected while in grad school, but there are limits, and you have to be at least two years post-grad school plus hours completed to sit for the exams. For the most part, you give away your services to get the 3,000 hours, and all the while working a job to pay your bills. I know of no other profession that requires you to give away your services for years to be considered a professional. There are paid jobs for interns while you're collecting hours, and there's lots of competition for those jobs, and many of them are really awful, like working for Child Protective Services. Post-licensure will be some time before you make serious money as a therapist. In the beginning, your expenses are high. Leasing office space, perhaps furnishing it if it's a full-time office. Insurance, now practice insurance, business insurance, health insurance. Business cards, its design and all the printing of all your forms and marketing materials, and a website is now essential to being in business. It is the yellow pages of yesterday. If you don't have a friend or buy it through some site, it's going to cost money, and probably a lot of it. And just a word of caution, do not buy through a site. That means you're paying to use their URL and you have to keep paying them to keep it. If you're going to go into business for yourself, Have your own URL. I'll say that again. If you're in business for yourself, have your own URL. You also get to set money aside for taxes. Welcome to quarterlies. Every three months, you get to send in tax payments. You also get to pay self-employment tax. You also get to pay both sides of your social security. Vacations. When you're not working, you don't make money and you have to spend money to be on vacation, so it will cost you double. Retirement, it's all on you. IRAs, SEPs, owner Ks, welcome to the world of financial planning. No one will be contributing to you but you. Start early. Training it's going to be a big part of your life. Lots and lots of training. There's continuing education units to stay licensed, professional training programs, The short program is a couple of years, up to 10 years or more, to be fully trained in some approach. You'll have to continually learn new approaches and techniques. The field is constantly changing. You have to stay up, expanding your skill base and marketing base. You develop expertise in a few things. You get more specific trainings than that. You get consultation. It all costs money and time. Consultation its really required to be in private practice. You need someone looking over your shoulder to help give guidance and help you through the tough spots. Mostly it's about telling you what you don't know. Marketing. Lots and lots of marketing. The key words today around marketing are branding and knowing who your customer is and so forth, but the point is is to develop a consistent look and feel, an identity of who you are, to put out into the marketplace and to know who your customer actually is. If you have those pieces, marketing gets a lot easier. But putting that all together requires almost a master's degree in order to sort out the pieces. So you're probably going to have to hire people to help you make sense out of it. Having a fun for slow periods like recessions, therapy for most people is disposable income. When job gets lost or money gets tight, therapy is often the one thing they can live without. As a new therapist, you're competing with much more experienced therapists, so you will need to start with your fees low to attract clients, and fees tend to increase slowly. If you choose to take insurance, and we call this being on panels, first you need to be licensed for two years to be on most panels. Many are not open to additional therapists. The pay rate from the insurance company is low. They can deny payments for all sorts of silly reasons and you can just be out the time and the money. Most therapists that take insurance, in my experience, spend about one day a week just calling and fighting with insurance companies to get more sessions approved for the client and or trying to get paid. You always have the insurance company in the room with you and your client and it is a reduction in the amount of confidentiality that you can give your client. Personally. I am on no insurance panels. I offer a higher level of confidentiality and my low fee is higher than the top fee of most insurance companies. But when the economy gets bad and people want to use insurance, I'm not on the list of therapists they will go see. Budgeting. So you'll need to know how much money you'll need to make in order to have a life in the area you live. What are you going to do till your private practice can support you? Do you have the stamina and the fortitude to stay the course? It could be years, not just months. Also in my experience, a self-employed person must gross twice the income of some of the salary to have the same lifestyle. Meaning, to get the equivalent of a $50,000 salary, you need to gross $100,000. How many clients a week would you need to see at $60 a session to gross $100,000 a year? Remember holidays, vacations, and sick time for you and your clients. If you're not working, you don't make money. $60 is a good insurance reimbursement rate. Many therapists have a second job or career to have the life or lifestyle they want. To summarize, to be in private practice, you must do marketing, bookkeeping, have some knowledge of tax law and small business law, negotiate leases, interior design, keep abreast of changes in the law that affect your profession, continual CEUs for license renewal, updating skills, financial planning, long and short-term goal setting. In my experience, it takes about a year to recover from grad school and the licensure process. It takes a lot out of you and is traumatic in varying degrees for most people. If you take out a lot of student loans, it will not be possible to pay them back and buy a home. Isolation. Life as a private practice therapist can be very isolating. The only people you see during the day may be your clients. You have to think about any personals online or Facebook profiles. What if my client sees this? Early in my career, I had a client. I was marketing one of my books. And he heard me on the radio in an interview when I was being interviewed about this particular book. It really upset him because he realized that I wasn't just in my room waiting for him to come back. And that's how many clients will see you. And any intrusion of your personal life into their reality is going to be very painful for them. So being a therapist can have a very negative impact on your social life. Anytime you make friends or have transactions, you are likely excluding those people from being potential customers. And yes, clients are customers. In time, it can just seem easier to stay home or have a very small select group of friends. Let's talk about compassion fatigue. Therapists have to make sure their needs are getting met. We give a lot. If you're not getting your needs met, it is too easy to try unconsciously to get those needs met by our clients. Not good for you or the clients. So what are you going to do to have a regular sex life? If you're single, dating is impacted by being a therapist, going out dancing? Are you going to the local hot tubs or hot springs? Do you want your clients to see you naked? Make sure you're getting laid, touched, cared for, and most of all, heard By someone in your life. Who will listen to you? Make sure you have done or do a lot of therapy. The best way to learn to be a psychotherapist is to learn to sit on the other side of the couch, be vulnerable and feel what it's like to be held and taken care of in a healthy way. In some ways, being a therapist is the modern one-room schoolhouse schoolmarm. We are almost to be invisible in some ways and morally pure. It has a big impact on your personal life and it can feel very restricting. Things your friends would not think twice about are going to be much more problematic for you. Going out drinking and dancing, if you're gay, going to a sex club, dating. There is no better way to end a date than when you answer the question, what do you do with, I'm a psychotherapist. If they have any insecurities, they're immediately out the door because they're convinced you're sitting there analyzing them. Not all. But it gets really frustrating. And by the way, everyone is analyzing everyone. We just have more tools. You have an online profile. Your clients will see and read them. They will ask you questions about them. They will be shocked by them. If you live in a small town or a member of a specific community, it means that you will likely be seeing people in that community. I'm a gay man, and even in the San Francisco Bay Area, it is rare for me to go to a party and not run into a client or two or more. It is called the small world phenomena. You have to be careful about what you do, who you do it with, because it's likely going to show up in the therapy room. You have to have a life, but you're also a therapist. Being both a normal human being and a therapist can be very difficult. I see my straight clients on the street or in a restaurant. I even run into them at parties. It is indeed a small world. So let's talk about the work, the psychotherapy. Being a therapist can be incredibly rewarding. Just like seeing my Marine, I have many wonderful stories like those. They can also be really awful. Depending upon the type of client you work with and depending upon the kind of therapy that you do, it can be exhausting, painful, and overwhelming. Doing psychotherapy right means being emotionally naked with the client. You have to be completely present in the room with them in the room. It is not just a matter of sitting on a high pedestal, dispensing wisdom and advice. You get to witness the most painful moments of their lives and hold that space and give them the compassion and empathy in those moments. I know that sounds lovely, but it can and will trigger your deepest pain. In my experience, we draw ourselves to us as clients. The clients that come to us, especially initially, are the ones that have our issues. So we get to stare at our pain in the eye and help someone else through it. It is not easy if you have not processed and worked through those issues. There is no one in the room to take care of you. That is not their job. So it means years and years of consultation and your own personal therapy to work through your wounds so you can truly be present for your client and their pain. A couple of examples from my practice. My initial fear as a therapist when I was an intern a few centuries ago was that I would be attracted to my clients. My first 10 clients were all these stunning young gay men. The joke at the counseling center was that if this drop dead stunning guy came in, he must be Merle's client. I figured out very early it was not an issue and it was just an amusing story of my beginnings. But we energetically bring to us what we need to work on of our own stuff from the very beginning. Sometimes it's just hard to be a therapist. A the client who had what is called a Freudian sadistic attachment. saw so him for many, 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 many years. And through the first number of years, he was enraged and angry. And any time that we got close to any genuine intimacy, and this went on for over 10 years, he would beat the crap out of me. I suddenly became the most stupid idiotic therapist in the world who was obviously incompetent and he could get better therapy down at the local whorehouse. He did everything possible to beat me up and tell me how worthless and what a piece of crap I was. And I simply had to take it for year after year after year after year until it changed and it did. Another early client that I had was this woman who came to see me she saw me for two years for the first year of the therapy she came to see me twice a week and 95% of the time she simply sat there and cried or stared at me there was almost no talking so I had to get incredibly comfortable with the silence with the not talking and her endless tears she taught me so much (laughs) about being a therapist. And when clients now want to get into staring contests or silent contests, I find it mostly amusing on one level, but it doesn't bring anything up for me and I'm really grateful to her for teaching me that. But in the second year of the therapy, she decided I was really awful. And so she came in every week, twice a week to tell me what a stupid, horrible, incompetent therapist I was. And then she left. So, That was really trying and painful for a new psychotherapist. Now, I wouldn't think really twice about it, but it is really hard. I highly recommend reading my article on the difference between psychotherapy and counseling. It's on my website. More and more therapists are doing counseling and not psychotherapy. Counseling is easier on the therapist and it's certainly less challenging for the client. When I work with interns who are learning to be a therapist, I'm surprised more and more to find out so many of them have never been in psychotherapy, have no idea what psychotherapy is and think counseling is what we do. Doing psychotherapy will call on your deepest resources to know who you really are, be really clear about your pain, your past and your healing. This is tough work and it takes time. The rewards can be amazing for both you and the client on the journey to wholeness. It does not just happen. Psychotherapy is a setup to heal both of you and it's often just as painful for the therapist as the client. Last but not least, psychotherapy, in my opinion, is dying. Again, from the article that I referenced earlier about the difference between psychotherapy and counseling, counseling is winning. We are becoming a profession of symptom management rather than problem-solving. Dealing with the underlying problem requires more time and skill, and most of all, emotions. Symptom management is putting a band-aid on the pain and sending them back out to the front lines to fight another day. Dealing with the symptoms is cheaper and faster and requires less on the part of the therapist and the client. Soon computers will probably do it. It is a cynical view, but accurate in the current environment. I could go on about this for hours but I wanted to give you a taste of the not so pretty side of being a therapist. In many ways, I think it is better as a later career when your finances are secure and you can take the time to enjoy the profession and not have to worry so much about making a living. You may also have a lot more life experience, nothing like a 25 year old giving counsel to a 65 year old. So if you think you really want to be a therapist after learning all of this, pay as little money as you can to get through a master's program at a fully accredited as a nationally accredited school. You don't learn how to be a therapist in grad school, no matter what they tell you. If you have lots of money and time or someone else is paying for it, enjoy a long program at the top private school you can afford. It will be a fine education, but coming out in debt really sucks. And it will be a long, long time before you out from underneath that. You learn to be a therapist in your consultation, doing therapy, being in therapy, and most importantly, in a professional training program, post-grad school. I'm a strong supporter of getting a firm foundation in something. It is where you go when you get in trouble. It is your rock, and if you're just eclectic, then you have nothing to integrate or critique what you are learning. It is very important to have a big frame of reference. Interview at least six therapists doing what you think you want to do. Ask them about their life, the money, the future, the profession, etc. Ask all the hard questions. Really research different theoretical orientations. Find out what they are and are not. Try some therapy sessions with each, like six to ten. Get a flavor for what it is before you get married to it. If you don't have it, get some business marketing training. It will serve you well in the long run. Know that you can change your mind. Most people that go to grad school in psychology do not finish, and if they do, don't become therapists. Why? It's too hard. It's not what they expected. They didn't do the research to figure out exactly what it was they were getting into. Mostly, it brings up their stuff. Psychopathology class, where you get to set for a long time and hear about all the different psychological disorders you can possibly have. The classic graduate student will sit there and diagnose themselves with every disorder. And sometimes they're going to be right. It's hard, it's a long journey, and really looking at yourself is not easy. And last but not least, know why you want to do this. There's an old expression that people who go to grad school in psychology. Are trying to heal themselves or their family. What is the real reason for you? And helping people is the cop-out answer. Once you know the answer to that question, then you can seriously decide if you really want to be a psychotherapist. It would not hurt to read the little book called Codependent No More. Thanks for spending this time with me and have a great life.